As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it, but I really want your help and do me a quick favour. Can you click subscribe or follow before you listen on? This means that as soon as a new episode drops, you get notified. Mate, why don't we just start? Like, I think we've, I've got some bits that I want to go through with you and stuff today. And some of the people that are watching, listening when this goes out, will know probably know quite a bit about you. But hopefully, some of the bits that we cover today, they won't know as much yeah. about. Um, so, just what I always ask people when I meet them is just to take a couple minutes tops, really a minute, two minutes, just to kind of go bit of a life reel what? in two minutes. I know it's a bit of a challenge if you're up for it, but just take us from like start to finish, personal, professional, just literally start to maybe present day. And what, what it will force you to do is kind of bring out stuff that's important yeah. um, and sort of key parts of your life and stuff. And then we'll, we'll probably drill into a few of those bits and pieces. So I think everyone listening and watching will be really interested in sort of hearing about the honesty behind the story rather than just maybe what people have seen. Yeah. So I'll throw it to you. Give us a, a minute of, of Kieran. From the start. Yeah. Um, so basically with, with fighting, with combat sports, it weren't how people probably would expect because I wasn't allowed to do boxing at first. My dad never let me do boxing. Um, I was just a small kid, quite skinny, really shy, nervous, like really shy and nervous. I was the kid that hides behind his mum's leg and stuff when there's people around. Um, and yeah, so just never, just was never allowed to step into a boxing gym for those reasons. And I was like, the words that my dad used is um, "you're too much of a pussy." <laughs> I did see that when we were when we were doing some research on you and yeah. stuff. It was it was printed somewhere, wasn't it? That you yeah. So he said yeah. you're too much of a pussy to box. Yeah, and yeah. then you went and did some. Yeah, to prove yourself doing other things first. Yeah, it it almost weren't even like you've got to prove yourself. It was you're not doing that. Yeah, so you can go do something else. Just instead. dismiss straight away. Like yeah. that's not the person you're going to be. Yeah, no chance sort of thing. Even though we used to watch boxing, I remember when I was young, we used to get up early and watch like Ricky Hatton and. I used to watch Lennox Lewis and like getting up early. We're only kids and we're getting up at three, four o'clock in the morning so we can watch these fights like yeah. with dad, but just never was allowed to do it. We think we even had boxing gloves at home and stuff. Me and my brother used to have punch-ups with boxing gloves on and stuff like that. We had a little bag as well, but was never allowed. So I ended up going karate instead. Um, the only reason I even stepped into this sort of world was because one of my closest mates at school, uh, in primary school, when we were like six or seven, I knew he was a boxer. Uh, well, he did boxing. When you're that young, you're not a boxer. Um, so, yeah, he did boxing. And uh, in the playgrounds, I used to, like, go try and box him and stuff like that. But I, I, it was only across from the school where where we went school in King's Heath. It was just across the road. Yeah. So, literally, bang, straight across the road. I thought, oh, it's easy access there. We can go there. I'm, I'm local anyway. It's only at the road. Um, but no, still never was allowed. But he also did karate, and your dad did karate as well as or no, that's Sam. Uh, oh, okay. so his name's Sam, one of my closest mates. Okay. Um, so he did karate as well as doing like the boxing. He was yeah. like active kid, football, karate, boxing, whatever it was, he, he'd go and do it. Um, so he said, my dad said to me, no, don't go boxing because because this and that, too much for pussy, too much for baby, this and that. Um, and looking back on it now, yeah, I probably was to be honest. Um, 
but so he said, "Why don't you go? Why don't you go and try karate instead?" Like Sam does that. Go, go with him there. I went to his. I went to watch one of his karate sessions. And I was like, "Nah, that's too hard for me. Yeah. They were like too rough for me." Yeah. Um. I remember I stood there. I was like, "No, don't let me go in. I'm crying my eyes out and stuff like that." I'm like six years old. Um. For some reason, it just was really intimidating for me. That's Mate, my niece and nephews do it now, and they're they, they're teaching now. And yeah. I look at some of the videos that go online, and some that my sister shows me, and it looks hard. Yeah, it looks technically difficult to remember the moves and stuff like that. Like, oh yeah, what I'd look like to a six like. or seven year old would yeah. be just impossible. Yeah, I remember it being quite tough, to be fair, and I liked it. I liked it when I got into it. I liked it, um, but that that one session, I don't know what it was. It was just so intimidating for me. At the end of the session. Um, I think it was one of the teachers went and did like a, he's obviously only like helping the lad, but he was doing like an unexpected like attack on him. Okay. Went up behind him and like grabbed him, arm around the neck and stuff. Um, and I was like, nah, straight away. Nah, I'm not having that. I'm getting out of here. Um, and uh, I think my grandma might have been there actually. Very blurred memory that one, but I remember I that. I can't bit, remember like, a couple of weeks ago, let yeah. alone that long ago. Yeah. So you're doing all right. <laughs> so I was like, just don't let me go in. We ended up going straight away. And um, yeah, and then I don't, I don't remember what happened between that and me going to a different place. But I remember anyway going to this different place. Like everyone's, I've turned up. Everyone's in there like um, karate geese, um, and I'm in tracksuit and stuff like that. And uh, I'm the only one in tracksuit. Like I'm the new kid. Um, but I did it, and I actually really, really liked it. I don't know why. Don't know what it was about it. Like, but I really liked the. The sensei, I really liked the surroundings and stuff. I don't know, I just got into it. Um, and yeah, I was like six years old, and then six years later, I'm black belt in karate. Um, I I actually felt like I was so good at it as well. I, I yeah. was, it felt like I could teach people, and it was even spoke about like in the future, you should go teach people. And um, even like in a couple of years, because I, I was 12 at the time. 11 or 12 and I said in a couple of years you can just help me teach because I was actually that good at the time um, but then one day my parents uh, their dogs have had puppies yeah and is this all the Frenchies? no, no. that's that's me that's, that's you, me now um, my parents had English Bull Terriers okay um, so yeah they had puppies and my friend that I've just spoke about he's family had English Bull Terriers they recently passed away and they wanted wanted more so they've come down to uh, look at the dogs and stuff and it so happens that when my dad was younger he did a few boxing fights only like five or six um, but it was his coach was my friend's dad and we didn't know about that at the time so it was Blimey. like that's so, a huge coincidence yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was such a big coincidence yeah. and then um, so from that day my, da my dad said to uh, Arthur Daly that was who's the boxing coach said that I wanted to do boxing but I've never been and stuff like that and he told me to get down the gym I went um, and I actually really liked it as okay. well first session really liked it and um, yeah I just kept going back once a week and then it turned into twice a week and then it turned into three times a week and then I got moved up to like the more advanced session then I started sparring and then I started thinking nah this ain't for me I remember leaving boxing crying every time so I was about 13, 14, yeah, 15 or something like that? Or? 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember not being in a good way every time because there was this one really good lad named Ruben Arrowsmith. Um, 
he had a few fights at the time, um, and he was so good. So used to, my nose used to be bleeding every single session that we sparred. Um, but yeah, I was having all these doubts and stuff, but I kept going back. For some reason, I kept going back. Yeah. God knows why. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kept going back, and him giving me them beatings was like motivation to me. Um, which sounds weird, but it just was so motivating to me, getting them beatings. I used to go, my, I remember one specific day, maybe a year later, my dad's gone, or maybe less than that, six months, he's gone to me, um, you just pack it in if you want, like, you don't have to keep going back and stuff, because I've left the gym crying. He's made his point, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, before. yeah. Blood all over my face after sparring, I'm crying in the car on the way home, um, and I'm like, so he said that to me, I'm like, nah, because one day I'm going to be better than him and it's going to be the other way around. And I just, I think that was like big, big impact in my boxing career and probably life as well. It gave me, it's just a big motivator for you. And was it, was it the beatings you were getting and the lessons you were being taught? Or was it your dad know. saying, I really you can give don't it a rest know. now? And you thought, well, actually, no. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't. I can't put my finger Something on it. Something changed. Yeah. Yeah. Something was just like, nah. Why would I quit? Like, I'm, yeah, it hurts and I'm crying, but for some reason I don't want to stop. I'm just. Gonna, I just want to keep going and I want to do. The, I want to be a boxer. For, uh, and um, I don't really know where that came from because yeah, my dad like had a little bit of boxing when he was younger, but nothing major. Nothing yeah. in my family. Nobody was a boxer. Um, so. I just don't get it. It didn't come from anywhere specifically. Um, I wanted to be a boxer and that was it. And I was just going to keep going until I was as good as these people and better than these people that were giving me beatings inspiring as a kid. And um, eventually I started closing the gap, closing the gap, closing the gap. And even if I didn't overtake them, it was showing in my boxing because I was early on I was losing quite a lot when yeah. I was young, um, like more than I'd win. Yeah. And then by the end, as a senior, I only lost one fight. Yeah. So it like just changed. And I, it was like exactly how I said it was going to be. One day, one day, one day. And yeah, in the end, I got to a certain level where I felt like I was capable to finally turn over pro. Um, and it might have been too early because there was opportunities that probably I could have went different route, went on uh, a box for England, but... I could have went like, really into the England stuff. So what age are you here when you've got opportunities to potentially look at going pro? Because a lot of people t talk about that when you're watching boxing. Yeah. And if I've watched boxing, it's like, you know, you watch up-and-coming fighters and you think, well, they talk about, is he going to go pro? And then yeah. is it too early? Is it too late? And, it's, and a lot of boxing seems to, to me, from someone who isn't necessarily a boxing specialist, I like sport, I like watching it, but it's a lot about timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The right fights at the right time for that particular person. I'm really yeah. picking roots for kind of like years and years you know you're going to do that one that one that one yeah. then maybe flip over there so what yeah. was kind of like your from a, from your point of view for everybody watching and listening that don't walk those shoes yeah what are the options when you get to that kind of maybe you know you've gone from your kind of kid boxing to it's starting to get serious now and you've you've now got you know you, you're getting older mm. what you'd have been what 17 18 17. maybe yeah i was 17 yeah. when i first thought i want to go pro but i was definitely yeah. too young Definitely too young at that time. And what happened at that point? Did you get talked off of it or just look, you need to chill out now, mate? I know you're doing all right, but you need yeah. to get your head down and do this or? I did. I probably did get talked out of it to be fair because my dad took me to a pro gym. I think probably I was about 18. Maybe I was 17 when he, when I actually went into a pro gym um, at Birmingham. Uh, I think that was Eastside. 
and um, I remember the coach saying some and the manager saying, yeah, maybe wait a year or two. Um, and because they said that and they already in the pro thing, I was yeah. like, yeah, fine. And I'll, I'll do some more amateur stuff, keep learning this way. Um, and I was fine with that because yeah. I respected what they said. Because uh, why wouldn't I? I'm me and they're yeah, doing the pro stuff already. Yeah. yeah. So when you say doing the amateur stuff, is that just like free fights around Northampton locally? So I know you did some stuff. I think you referenced something I was looking at the the other week, which is obviously you started off doing fights at places like Deco and stuff yeah. in front of like you know five hundred, a thousand people or whatever. So yeah. is that that point? Is that what you're when you talk when you're referencing amateur? Is that the sort of stuff that or in the amateurs? There's a lot of different things. I, I remember one time I boxed in uh, St. James Workingmen's Club. Yeah. In the upstairs gym. I know that very well. Uh, you How do. I think it was back Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it still is. And um, yeah, I remember there was an upstairs gym, only tiny, and I had fights in there um, that was on record and everything. Yeah. But I had fights downstairs as well. Um, but yeah, you have fight As an amateur, I've boxed in the Deco quite a few times. Uh, the county cricket ground. Um the York Hall, even I boxed there as a pro. Uh, York Hall in London. Yeah, these are like for like titles and stuff like that. They're quite decent shows, but it's still amateur. Um, obviously, no pay, no payment for it and everything. But uh, yeah, at this point, I was like, still, I wanted to go pro, and I knew I was going to be a pro. I knew I, I still know that I can do more in the pros than what I've done now. So I knew I was going to do uh, big things in the pro boxing world. I said, tell everyone at school. Nobody believed me because it's still at this point. I'm still, a, I'm still really thin. Um, didn't have much to me. I was active and I was always like one of the top people like at sports and stuff, but not the never the best. Yeah, never the best. I think though. when you're younger though, you look at bo- boxers and you think they've got to be big. Yeah, everyone thinks that. Like, yeah. really understand. Yeah, there's weight classes and weight classes. Like yeah. yeah, but I was just like stringy, stringy at this point, like teenager kind of looking. I was teenager. Um, so yeah, so at this point where it's like still wanting to go pro, still don't know, and everyone was like talking me this way. Then we were talking about like going down the England route and stuff like that, going for like trials, going for uh, seeing if we'd go there because that's massive experience because you get international experience where you're fighting the best from them countries and things yeah. like that. But for some reason, I just weren't interested. I just wanted to go pro. I think I'm a really impatient person at that time. Um, didn't really understand the process of things. I just wanted to hit it straight away. Yeah. And I was sick of everyone telling me that you're not going to be a pro boxer, you're not going to do this. Um, oh, yeah, so back to that, what, what I was saying. I used to tell everyone, and um, even teachers and things like that, I weren't the greatest kid at school. I really weren't. I was like that kid that just told my teachers, why do I need to do this? Like, I'm going to be a boxer. I yeah. was told straight. I was like, I'm not doing it. And <laughs> went down well. don't think teachers really <laughs> like me too much. Yeah. Um, and I don't advise that to anyone, anyone that's listening. I'm not advising you to be like me at school. Um, but I just gave it everything to boxing. And I was like, I'm not having a plan B. And I don't I don't need one. I'm not having one. And that's that. You can listen or you don't have to listen. I'm still going to do it. Yeah. And uh, I was like, now nah, I'm, t- I'm turning pro. And I think I must have been, how old am I, 26. So you turned pro in what, 2017, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Turned pro in 2017. Um, and I think I was probably too young at the time because I I looked about 12 years old. And what was I, about 20? 
and um, yeah, I just weren't filled out. I weren't. I didn't have enough. I had a lot of experience as an amateur, like eighty something fights, um, but it weren't all the experience that I needed. I needed yeah. to. I need to have a little bit more life experience, a little more fight experience. Yeah. But things worked out because we've got the right fights, right time. Like you mm. said, uh, um, like you touched on earlier, that's important. That's so important. People think it's all about going straight away into the biggest fight, but you you can't jump to like the tenth step of a of a ladder yeah. without taking e- each one. Like you yeah. have to take. You might each get a bit of luck, but you've got to do the steps to get there. Yeah. And earn the stripes, I suppose. I yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But. Yeah, I just kept. Obviously, I did what I did when I first started pro, and I, I didn't make any money when I was when I first turned over because I didn't have Olympic experience. I weren't in no spotlights or anything. So is that what is that what could have paid you the money in that at that stage? Was if you'd have done gone down that yeah. that Olympic route, what you've got more credibility, so people want you on their cards and yeah, that's so the way it works. If you're able to do that and you're good enough to go Olympics and things like that, you turn pro with big contracts. Yeah, but I didn't even have like national titles to my name and stuff like that so i was just on like the minimum they'd give you and you get paid for selling tickets yeah i didn't sell tickets because i was not really like the the most popular kid at school either um i was a little, i was a bit naughty uh like i said didn't didn't care about schoolwork. um weren't the greatest greatest at socializing either because I, at that point i was focused on being a boxer um so whilst everyone was doing things i was boxing yeah um so yeah, weren't the most popular. So I didn't sell many tickets. Sometimes I fight for no money as a pro. Um, in the deco, actually, I box for no money as a pro. Um, sometimes I box for like two hundred pounds, something like that. So it was hard at first as well because I gave up all work, yeah. I gave up school, I gave up everything. So at that point, you were literally just everything all in boxing. Yeah, and I really strive pretty much. Yeah, it was definitely that. Um, I did really struggle sometimes. Like I was struggling in ways that people wouldn't expect. Like I, I weren't eating right. Um, nutrition was hard for me because uh, when you've got no money, what are you meant to do? Um, and I, um, my parents like brought a couple of caravans, um, and we ended, we lived in that. But like me and my brother lived in one, and uh, we couldn't keep with bills or anything. Like we struggled. Um, Things were never easy, to be fair. Like financially, we we're from um, we're from St James um, and King's Heath. Like things were, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and yeah. and like up until like the last two years, I probably I really struggled. Um, but I think it builds character. I think it builds um, like a mentality that other people that had it a little bit easier don't understand, mm. uh, like the fight. Like, and I think I, I think all boxers that make anything, bar a few, there's like Conor Ben. He's great with money and he's going to yeah. do very well. But um, most boxers then have a similar story to say uh, because the fight comes from somewhere. Mm. Um, it's not just put there. But the fight for you manifests itself in a ring yeah. and doing your training and getting motivated and stuff. What what you said there, the one word that springs to my mind was like you develop that resilience. Yeah, and you need that resilience for everything. Yeah, but if I look at some of the things that I do, you know, we're we're not doing too badly at the moment. But there's been, you know, our businesses are three and four years old. Yeah, there's been times where you know you're a week before payday and you're like, shit, I can't pay people. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. and that, and that's a stress. And mm-hmm. that, that, and when you're going through that every, every, you know, every month yeah. for a year, it's 18 months and you're having sleepless nights and you're, you can't, you're not talking to anyone about it and you're mm-hmm. taking the problems home. And that's one problem out of a thousand yeah. if you own a business. And we've got a couple. So it, it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And, and me being me, I take a lot of stuff on, on my shoulders yeah. and a lot of responsibility to make sure that things happen. Yeah. And it, that, that for me in a different way, has built a real resilience where there's been some stuff that's happened with us in the last year or so that, you know, whether it's work or personal, probably would have been quite quite difficult for most people to deal with. Yeah, 100%. And even something that happened a couple of weeks ago, and I look back three, four years ago, I'd have really struggled to deal with that. Yeah. And two weeks ago, I didn't get any sleepless nights. Yeah. None. Yeah. I'm, I was okay with it. It wasn't okay, but I was okay with it. And that was a... I can see even, even now, and I'm seeing the future, but there was... A growth, a yeah. resilience, a tolerance, like a, just because you've gone through these things so many times. When you mentioned about your 80, 90 amateur fights and, you know, all every single minute of every single fight, whatever it is, you've learned something. Yes. You're, you're building that little incremental bits of resilience and tolerance, aren't you, to that stuff? Yeah, 100%. And in the amateurs, my, so when my dad got involved in the boxing side of things, he started, like, taking fights for me. And they weren't easy fights. Yeah. They, they were never easy fights. If somebody called up asking for for um, someone at this weight, that weight, yeah, Kieran's available, he's, <laughs> he's going. It didn't matter who they were, didn't matter what titles they had to their name. Been, when I had like a handful of fights, I was in with national champions, British champions, it don't matter what they were, I'd, I'd end up going. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was okay with it. I, again, I don't, I don't really know why, uh, because uh, there's a lot of, Especially being from King's Eve Boxing Club, they had a big reputation of being a strong top club. Uh, but I didn't put the pressure, I didn't have the pressure on me because I just kept going and getting this experience. And um, like it was okay for me to take these fights. And it was, I didn't like losing at all. I hated losing, even from when I was a kid. Like you lose at a computer game, see like your dad's mate that comes over. I oh, used to sit behind the sofa, crying my eyes out. <laughs> Yeah, hitting things. I was like that kid. Um, I don't like losing at all. Um, and losing all these fights as amateur really it affected me to a certain point. So what I do, I wouldn't tell people that I've had a fight at school and stuff like that. I just turn up, fight, that's it. No one knows because I've lost and stuff like that. Um, but these are the sort of things that made me be able to do certain things in the in the pros. Like, tough times build tough characters. If it was so easy, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that now. I wouldn't mm. be able to do some of the things that I've did now. Like when they when they put me in with Ted Cheeseman for the British title, it kind of came out of nowhere. But I always was going to take that fight. Yeah. And really, technically, I shouldn't have even been in the ring with him. I came off a loss to in a boxing tournament. Um, I'd only been boxing four round fights. I think I did one eight round fight, but I stopped him in like the sixth. Um, but they weren't high level. This was again like local fights, like Deco, uh, small hall boxing is what they so call it. Big step up, massive, massive step up. I, like, I didn't expect the call; hmm. it just came. But this was always one of the fights that was in my, my sight. Always said if that fight comes up, I'll take it. Um, and the British title is such a big thing in boxing anyway. Like everyone wants to fight for it. As soon as that got called up, 
Um, my manager called me. I remember I was on the way home from a sparring session, actually, like quite far away. We used to travel for sparring quite yeah. a lot. We was in Norwich sparring. Um, and I've got a call from my manager. And he said, look, this fight's that. Um, and I'm like, okay, let me just go speak to my dad. Um, and straight away, I was like, right, I'm I didn't say I've been offered this fight. Yeah. I said, I'm yeah, fighting yeah. Ted for the British title. And he went, oh, nice, when? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Nothing else. No, that, like, it was just part of the plan all along. It just came a little bit Is he early. quite low-key? Just no very, drama? Very. Yeah. Um, it was part of the plan all along, but it just came a bit earlier than expected. But, so, actually, we'll go back. So when I got that loss in the um, Ultimate Boxer Tournament, he had three fights in one night, um, three rounders. Don't really know how. Don't really know how it goes on your pro record or anything because there's not really there's not three round fights in pros yeah. and three fights in one night. But it is what it is. I got a win, decent performance. It was on BT Sport and stuff. You fight for like a big prize money, um, and then uh, in my second fight, I just couldn't warm up. So I had this big um, like you have like an adrenaline rush, and then yeah. after my first fight, I had to come down, sat down. Big mistake. Man, it must be quite hard to go. Yeah, I, it's not a bit of a... You know, you're getting yourself me. up for it and then you're yeah. down and then you're up and you're down. Like, yeah. that must be tough. Yeah, it's not not good for me. I, I couldn't uh, get to grips with that. Even in sparring, if like we're doing a few rounds and I get out and I have like a half an hour wait until I've got more rounds, I hate it. It's not. It's just not me. It don't work for me. I like just going through it. I'd be much better if I did the fight, fight, fight. It'd be much better for me. But I couldn't get myself up for it. Um, went in there, didn't do anything, got a loss. Um and at the time, I remember when I got the loss, I was devastated, devastated. Like as soon as they announced that, I, that the other guy won, I kind of knew the other guy won before yeah. it was announced. But as soon as that happened, I was crushed. There was, I had quite a few people there. To be fair, like um, by this point, I'd like I was able to sell quite a few tickets, um, and there was all there. BT Sport as well. My first TV. Where you got thing. that pressure? Yeah. I remember I looked out and I could see a lot of everyone looking at me and I got the loss and I was crushed. Do you see people when you're... Yeah, yeah. A lot of people when they're like, a lot of professional sports people, Yeah, they, they say, don't oh, see it's just a blur. Yeah. Is oh. it, what is it like? I see people. I don't often hear people. Every now and then I hear my, my girlfriend. She's always front row anyway. So I hear her shout um, and I hear my corner team. Other than that, there's too many people to hear anything anyway. Um, but I do like looking out and I do see people and that don't bother me at all. Like, I like that. I like catching someone's eye. Feeding off of yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and I like, like making eye contact when I'm in there. It's, it's like, ah, yeah, they're watching, so I better do this. Um, people are actually here yeah, watching. If you ignore it, you almost forget they're there and then I get motivated from people being there. So, yeah, I like catching catching eyes with people. Um but yeah, when I when I got that loss, I was devastated. Went backstage, people. I was like on my own, and yeah, I was what was I, 20, 23. Sat down, had a bit of a cry to myself. Didn't want anyone near me because at that point, like you feel like you get a loss, and in boxing, you think straight away, you think, oh no, it's over. Every, everyone the whole sees dreams over. Yeah, yeah. Everyone sees you lose, and that's it. Boxing, you you're done. Not the same as other sports. I don't believe in that anyway. I think that's all in our heads. I don't think that you've done. There's successful people that have lost multiple times. It's just part of the learning. I mean, I don't want to lose and I vow to not lose again. 
uh, and I'll do anything to do that. But at that time, for, uh, instantly, I thought, no, that's it, it's over. And then maybe 10 minutes, I was on my own. And I just thought, no, you know what? No, no, it isn't. It's not over. This is just the, the next stage now. I was abs- I got up, went outside. People were trying to like go, trying to like hug me and stuff like that, saying, "Oh, unlucky." And I was like, "Get off me!" Like, you do already. This is it off already. Yeah, it's done. It's done. And now I'm gonna go and do this. And this has just kicked me at the ass because I went to that competition just thinking I was gonna walk over everyone because I was I am I was a good boxer, and I can adapt and change things. And it just. I thought it suited me, even though it didn't. I shouldn't. The the thing that they say is you shouldn't have went in that. People were shocked that I went in that because it didn't suit me. But it is what it is. And me going in that and getting that loss booted me at the ass big time. It, it gave me like second gear. And the the following weekend, um, or the following like few days, I've texted my manager saying I need a fight now, ASAP. There's one in my local town. Get me on there. I don't want paying. I just yeah. need to get a win. Yeah. Um, and like brush this to the side. So I got on there, didn't get paid, fought some light heavyweight um, over four rounds, which was a week later. So yeah, it was like two weeks after the fight. Yeah. Got a win. Good win. Next thing, um, I'm getting a call for the British title. I'm like, this is mad. So it's like, if, but you have to. You can't come off a loss to box of the British title. So if I didn't get that win, I couldn't have even had a call. Okay. So the whole me getting so determined to get straight back. Maybe that's the reward. Led to that. Yeah. yeah. That step, because a lot of people would have thought, yeah, maybe that's me done. Yeah. But the fact that you've yeah, gone for that fight, had the fight, and then you've got a bit of karma, yeah. which is the reward of getting yeah. the fight that you want. Yeah. And karma is a thing. 100% I believe in karma. You put the work in and you get rewarded for it. You don't put the work in and you'll 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 get punished for it mm. in some way. That this is just the energy and the vibrations this world gives. It's the way it is. You, people wonder why bad things happen, and it's probably because of something that you've done. Yeah. You well, you don't wonder why good things happen because you know you've done good. You know you've put the work in. So it's the opposite. It goes the other way as well. You don't do that, you don't win. You don't do you don't do the work, you don't get the rewards. You do the work, you get the rewards. It's just how it is. And my mentality at that point was I was just so determined to prove everyone wrong and prove me right again. Um and uh yeah, it's just how, how that all pl- played out, getting that loss. But if I didn't get that loss, maybe I wouldn't have got the fu- maybe they wouldn't have uh, like the fighter and the team might not have even considered me for the fight because That's I was also, undefeated. I think so, not, not strange about boxing, but it's unique. It's kind of what we were saying before we went went live was that kind of pathway. Yeah, Everyone's got their own pathway and that pathway is kind of set out, in, not set out in advance, but it's people that have got more experience are kind of yeah. picking where you go. And even with the, the pros out there, when you, when you hear... You know, Eddie Hearn talk about AJ, for example. Oh, he's got an option here, he's got an option there. He could probably go and do that over there and maybe this one over here. And there's yeah. like four or five different options. And it's yeah. like, well, those choices are really important because yeah. if you get them wrong, that could be the end. If you mm-hmm. get them right, that could be yeah, you skyrocket to the top. Yeah, 100%. Like, who makes your choices with that sort of stuff? Me. Yeah. Bas- mainly me. Yeah. But so it goes from, I've obviously got Eddie, 
my management, which is MTK, and then my corner team, and then me. But if a fight gets offered to me, I'm like, right, I'm fighting him. I don't say, oh, they've offered this. I don't think I've ever turned down a fight. I don't, well, no, I've never turned down a fight. Yeah. And I don't think my corner team's ever turned down a fight. And I don't think my management's ever turned down a fight. Because, because of where I came from, I came from nothing, like really nothing. Um, I don't see why I should turn down opportunities. Mm. And I'm not scared of the, the lot. I'm not scared of what people say. It doesn't bother me at all. It probably motivates me more than anything. So if I go in there uh, and I get beat, yeah, it, it bothers me and I don't want to get beat. But at the end of the day, it's just part of the process. And I'm going to learn from that. As Whilst I'm young, I may as well learn as much as I can. So then by the time I'm 30, I'm boxing for these world titles and I'm at the point where I need to be. Rather than fighting easy fights, easy fights, easy fights. Or not easy fights, but fights you know you're going to win in the end. They, they might when, when you do that, and like if you're like, I play probably more football than any other sport, you go and have reasonable games where yeah. you think, oh, I'm going to play this opposition, they're all right. Yeah. You come out, you win four or five nil yeah. when you get put in against a decent team you're just going to get spanked yeah. because you've not had any consistently any consistency against anybody yeah. of any note yeah. but then when you go and get spanked you're like well you probably do take stuff from it you probably learn more from when you lose or learn more from when something doesn't go right than you learn from when things go right so you don't analyse when things go well 100%. you always analyse when you cock it up like yeah. team talks at half time when you're getting beat yeah Everyone's got something to say. Yeah. When you're winning, no one's got anything to say. Yeah, everyone's yeah, knocking yeah. around, having a fag, doing this and whatever, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a massive thing in, in anything, to be fair. Like, I always say the example, you could be in a running race, let's say a 100-meter sprint, and you could be, obviously, the fastest runner in that race. You may win and get, t- say, 10 seconds, for example. But... If you run against everyone that's faster than you, you might be last, but you will get a better score, better time, better time than ten seconds. And that's the important thing, whilst especially whilst I'm young. The end goal is yeah, be better than everyone else. But whilst I'm young and I've got time to work and learn, that's what I want to. I, I'm. I'm. F- it's about me. It's not about anything else except my performance and my progression. Me getting better. So you got to do whatever it takes to get better, in my opinion. Because I'd obviously, I didn't come from Olympics, so I wasn't the greatest at that time. I've had to take each step as it comes in the pros and get better and better each time. So the learning curve for me is a big thing. Um, I'm happy to take uh, away fights. I'm happy to take hard fights. People say that you shouldn't have. I went to Texas um, last May. This Yeah, last May. Um, on the Canelo Alvarez first Billy Joe Saunders undercard and they were like some people were saying do you need that fight and I said yeah why not and they said oh because he's going to America he trains in America he's like signed with 258 management um, it's going against you already uh, I was like at the end of the day that don't matter I was 24 when I took it 25 when I got in the ring and um, I thought I was going there to win anyway I was like now what are you talking about why is that why why do you think that it's all against me I'm going in there I'm I'm going to knock this guy out he's little 
He's smaller than me. Um, I'm massive for the weight. Um, and I was just so confident anyway. I was so confident going, got coming leading up to it. Like when that was offered to me, I was so confident. Actually, then I was supposed to fight somebody else called Jesse Vargas, who is a big, big name. He's boxed Adrian Broner, Manny Pacquiao, um, Mikey Garcia. He's like world level. He's elite. So you had a choice? No, well, I took the fight against Jesse Vargas. Four weeks to go. Jesse Vargas has pulled out and then I get this this um, Solomon Soko come in but that was all just big drama and Vargas had his reasons why he didn't turn up but it doesn't make sense to me what do you think that was? I have no idea they took the fight we were literally I think we might have even signed the contract I can't remember if we signed the contract or it was about to be signed pretty sure it was signed but then they pulled out after that with no real reason Maybe it was just that I'm massive for the weight and he is uh he weren't really a super welterweight. He was a welterweight, really. Mm. He was coming up. And it just wouldn't have been it wouldn't have made sense. because I'll get in the ring very big and he would get in the ring th- at the limit probably. He would get in the ring at one fifty four, whereas I get in at near one eighty. And that's probably where they decided not. Too much of a risk for him because but of the weight. Probably. I don't see any other reason why you would take a fight to the point where contracts are being, being signed and then pull out. But it was really frustrating at the time. Um, leading up to that fight in May. in uh, Yeah, in May. Um, there was a lot of things that went wrong. Don't use it as excuses at all because at the end of the day, you can make as many excuses as you want. But if your house was on fire and your dogs or your kids or your your wife or whatever is in that house, doesn't matter what injury or what has happened to you in that in recent times, you're gonna go and get them and get out as quick as possible. There's nothing gonna stop you because it means that much. So there's no room for excuses where oh I've, I've pulled my hamstring, I've got this going on. That's no excuse for a bad performance, in my opinion, because you should just find a way. And um, like you would if your house was on fire and your, your loved ones were inside, you'd get them out. Um, so that just uh, that's just like how bad do you want it kind of thing. And if you've got the excuses, then I guess that not bad enough is the answer. Um, but yeah, I, did, I went out there, didn't perform well, had a lot going on. And um, yeah, didn't get the win either, but got it on he got it on a split. I'm not really sure how. I'm not sure how that I even got one of them judges to give me that fight. But uh, I, I knocked him down in the ninth and things. But when I it was a great experience. I, I My visa didn't come back until two days before the fight. So I didn't fly out there until two days before. Yeah. How long would you want to be out there? A week? What? week and a half? Minimum. Yeah. yeah, minimum. Um, I was meant to be out there for 10 days, I think. But yeah, got out there for two days. And yeah, that weren't long enough for me. That weren't long enough for anyone, in my opinion. Um, the time differences and everything. Which, to be fair, whilst we, whilst my visa weren't going through, I was still planning on being there. Like, yeah. I was still changing my body clock at home. Like I had UV lights in my house and things uh, to change my body clock. So at this time, I put the UV lights on. At this time, I'd make sure that, like the curtains are closed and things like that and everything's all dark as possible. Um, but 
whilst doing that, my visa weren't there. But then we were going to the the embassy anyway, getting ready to pick it up because it said that it might come through now, but it never did. So we, whilst I was moving my body clock that way, then I took it back and I ended up moving it this way because we were going to the embassy at like four, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And um, everything was just weird. I suppose psychologically as well, you're like, it might not happen. And as much as you say it doesn't make yeah. a difference, if yeah. there's that 10% in the back of your mind that thinks maybe not. Yeah. When it got to the point, it was like, so it's two days before, my opponent has got a different opponent. They're looking for opponents. I know, I knew they were because somebody's, one of the fighters' wives messaged me saying, why have you pulled out? And I was like, hang on, I haven't pulled out. I'm still going. What are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't have a visa at this time, so I weren't going. But she's saying, oh, well, we've just been offered the fight. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm getting on the phone to everyone like, nah, what are you doing? I'm still coming. I'm going to be there no matter what you say. Um, but I suppose they were just, just preparing just in case, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this was all going on. And uh, it was a weird, weird lead up to a fight. I, whatever could have went wrong, went wrong. Um, but I was going to be there no matter what. And uh, I even went with no team on the on the time when, when I actually was going to the airport and my visa had gone through. Yeah. I went with no team. Um, they were like, we gave you a deadline that that day, or we're not going because it's just going to be wrong. You're not going to get there and perform well. Well, so I've just went to the embassy, picked up my thing. I'm like, right, I'm going to the airport. Are you coming? And they're like, no. I was, I was like, what? I'm going to the airport. Why are you not coming? Also, you've got my kit in your car. Yeah. I need you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need you to come. And they're like, we're not going. We said that's the date. That's the cutoff point. Um, you just have to move the fight now. I was like, you know what? I'm going regardless. I'll turn up without kit, without a team. I don't care. I'm fighting because I don't. Even, I don't know. I was just so determined to yeah. be on that show. Canelo card, seventy five thousand people well, at the time. That had been the biggest, biggest in America ever. Yeah. Yeah. Still, um, yeah. There's bigger, bigger attendances over here, but at the time that that was the record breaker in America, and. Um, yeah, it was mad, but walking out in front of that many people was sensational. Mate, that was going to be my next question. How do you prepare for that? Yeah, it was a, what was the feeling? Just ready to go, like you. Yeah, off. So I was really, really, really nervous before I went out, and um, like I was looking out in front uh, to the crowd for a good ten or fifteen minutes. They made me stand in the tunnel for a long time. I was thinking, what am I? Is that good? Is that bad? Well, I was like, why am I standing here? Well, I should be in the change room, surely just finishing my warm-up and stuff. Yeah. But I was there for a long time. And uh, I was looking out, you could see all of it. No matter how high you looked, it was still like people look up there. It was loud, very loud. And um, I was so nervous. So nervous at that point. As soon as I walked up the steps and my music was on, looked out at everyone, every nerve went. Really? And I was so calm and I was in the place where I always told everyone I was going to be. I told everyone that I was going to be on these big cards when I was young. I told my teachers. I told everyone I was going to be there. And I just remembered that. And then walking to the ring, it was so just, it was pretty amazing to be fair. All these people, they, they were like shouting for me, shouting my name. Um, they obviously don't know me personally. They're in America and we're in Texas. And um, 
yeah, it was just a pretty surreal experience, but one that I told everyone was going to happen anyway. So, so. That, that's strange that you think that, because I, I would have thought, I'll get nervous before I play on a Sunday. Yeah. I'm playing in front of 30 people. Yeah. At, at a push if people have got out of bed. Yeah. Um, and walking out in front of that many people, taking the top step in front of the people like, would be when I would think the nerves would hit, mm. properly hit. Yeah, yeah, you've got the build-up, but you haven't started anything yet, really. Or yeah. maybe you have in your head, I don't know. Hit that top step, standing there in front of all these people. For me, never done that before. I would think that's the bit where you think, shit, <laughs> yeah. this is real now. Yeah. Um, but you felt completely calm. Opposite. Total opposite. But... I felt like this is just where I'm meant to be. I told everyone, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm meant to be. And uh, so, yeah, I boxed on the AJ versus Pulev card. And that was obviously a box office event as well. Um, but it weren't the same because we had COVID restrictions. There was only a thousand people in the arena. Yeah. Um, what sort of a difference does that make when you're fighting? The no crowd. I watched that one. The crowd. You mean the crowd? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you're in an arena like wherever you are and you've got 70,000 versus 1,000 obviously there's going to be a noise difference but are you when you're like glove to glove are you hearing that? Yeah um, it did make a difference it was weird especially being on such a big card it was it was strange being on that sort of card box office but there were 1,000 people in that box yeah. in front of more people in Northampton I think Yeah, and it was a weird one but it was weirder being in the garden when there was no people Yeah, only Matroom Sky or was it Sky at the time? I can't remember if it was Sky or Design at the time. Um, but yeah, so TV I think it was Design, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. So TV, ma uh, Matroom, and Corner Teams. That's all that was there in an open garden. That was weird because you could hear everything, the wind and the rain, and uh, you could just hear like everything, every single thing that went on. You could hear it, and it was strange, but. Yeah, the AJ card was a weird one, and um, but it being such a big card, you think it felt that big, yeah. But it didn't feel that big because of the 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 COVID and, and stuff like that. But going out to Texas, it was massive, huge, and they love Canelo over there. Yeah, they love him, so they took the roof off. Even like for my fight, there was sixty five thousand people there when I walked out. Wow, because I was only two before him, so a lot of people there, a lot of eyes made me feel so comfortable but I don't know how other people feel about that I know some people I know don't like crowds is that quite is that common as a boxer like you feel comfortable with that weight of pressure on you or you, or, 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 or are you like an anomaly I don't know I'd, I'd imagine that a lot of people feel like that because they know what they're getting themselves into when you when you sign up to be a boxer and you sign with TV you know what you're getting yourself into you know there's going to be a lot of people watching potentially millions like that one um, so I'd expect they're just fine with it and I'd, I'd expect they're similar to me but I know some people are not because they've told me they don't want anyone there if they only want people they sold tickets to kind of thing but so your fight in Texas was the biggest fight in your eyes really yeah and also didn't put on a good good enough show because obviously that's where I want to be that's where I told everyone I'm going to be but I didn't put on the performance that's going to keep me there yeah so, yeah, I was really, really disappointed with that. Really disappointed. Um, but it's an experience that's so valuable to me. So, like, in and out of the ring, everything that went on, I learned so much from that. And I've got a lot of experience to now pass on to people around me, maybe even in the future. Um, 
but even to myself, like, I've got the experience to be able to deal with certain things now and know how to deal with certain things, whereas before I didn't, and that's probably why these things even happened. Uh, what they do you reckon like, the top, you mentioned there, in and out of the boxing ring, you got a, you've taken experiences away. What, what do you reckon would be the top couple of little nuggets in there that you've taken away from an experience like that? Well, in the ring, he was such a good boxer. He was a very good boxer, and he knows his way around the ring, so there's a lot of experience I can take from him. There's a lot of things I took from him, actually, the way he like, popped certain shots out, the way that he disguise certain things but out of the ring there was literally everything you can imagine go wrong i pulled a hamstring three weeks before the visa didn't didn't go through till so long the um what else the, so obviously flying out there so late made the weight cut really hard um because you fly because i water load and stuff like that and you're you, you, it's just taking you away from everything you've done. You're up in the air yeah, for like 12 hours. Gone, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then I got there and I had a whole day of medical. So that took away from me making weight again for a whole day. I needed that day to make weight. Um, made it even harder. Um, leading up to it, obviously pulling my hamstring three weeks out, stopped me sparring. Um, all the stresses that came with fighting and then not having an opponent, and then finding an opponent, and things like that. It's just the way that you deal with it, and the way that you let it affect you, and things like that. I've got the experience to now know how to let it affect you, yeah. rather than, because it affected me a lot. I was really stressed. I was stressed to the point I was being sick, uh, and that's genuine. And also, I had blood tests where my cortisol levels were like through the roof. Scary through the roof. And um, just, I've got the experience to be able to not let it be like that again. Um, not put myself in them situations. Not let myself get in them situations either. And advise other people how to not get in them situations or how to deal with them. Yeah. With all that in mind, if it was exactly the same, in the exact same situation, I'd do it again. <laughs> yeah, do it again. 100% I'd do it again. Yeah. But I just wouldn't tell anyone else. It's to just do the it. opportunity, innit? Yeah, it was massive. Like, too, too good to turn down. They, could, they were saying to me, I'll just move the fight. No. I'm being there. I'll hang on to the bottom of the aeroplane and get there if I have to. And that was the mentality I had. I literally was doing everything right up to the two days before, before I got out there. It was mad, mad, mad experience. But the whole of last year anyway, but I had two fights and um, I weren't impressed with either performance and probably weight related performance. Um, so now the year coming, I've had surgery on both of my hands, and when I get back, I'm gonna hit a new weight, um, middleweight, super middleweight, whatever. I'm big. I'm big for the weight. I'm big for middleweight as well, and uh, I'm ready to go and collect more titles. Mate, it sounds like um, aspects you beat yourself up quite a bit about stuff when you 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 don't feel it's gone perfect. Mm -hmm. Good thing, bad thing. Does that, does that motivate you to do better, or does it? I'm always so motivated. Some people, that. some people, you know, you give negative feedback or you self, you know, if I self-reflect or self-criticise myself, I think, well, what's the point in self-criticising myself to a degree that that's going to affect me negatively the next time I go and do yeah. that exercise or the next time I go and do this or whatever. It's it's pointless. It's just you're beating yourself up for no reason. And, and that happens a lot yeah. with people, a lot. We've all been there. But I think it's also healthy. You've got a criticism. Maybe it's a level that you go yeah. to. That whole when you look yourself in the mirror and think, "Was I good enough?" Yeah. No, I wasn't. You know, and you reflect and you kind of understand why. Um, 
do you feel that you've got that balance right? Do you think you've got the right element of motivate versus beating yourself up too too much? Um, I don't know. I do beat myself up too much, and I don't admit it. Um, if, you, if you won against whoever that you went against next, and it was absolutely perfect, would you still find something? Yeah, but if I didn't get a knockout, yeah, yeah. that knockout needs to happen. It's been too long, and anyone that trains with me knows that I dig and something just don't happen when I get in the ring on finite. And like I said, it probably is weight related. I take a lot of weight out. And when I'm in the ring, I'm not right. Um, so I've had talks and stuff. It's been too long. It's been too long since I've been stopping people anyway. Um, it's an entertainment sport and winning on points isn't very entertaining. People come to watch knockouts as brutal as that is. They want to see someone get hurt. They want to see blood. Um, and for this year, I'd I genuinely would rather get knocked out than win on points from now on. Uh, it's entertainment at the end of the day. And saying that, people will think, oh, why are you playing up to people? I'm not. I'm playing up to myself. Yeah. I'm literally so self-motivated. It's unbelievable. People would not, under just. Don't, I don't think people would understand the way that I'm really inner motivated. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm doing it for me. And that's just that's just me no, I think that's quite a healthy way to be because yeah. I think you can't with the people that I've experienced in the past that have got whether it's sport or business or just life getting up in the morning trying to do what you can yeah. do when you're motivated about external factors most yeah. of the time you can't control them yeah. if they're not there anymore I'm getting up fighting for my partner yeah. or what if your partner leaves what yeah. if you're not with her anymore what have you actually got left yeah. well there's nothing there yeah. if you've not got any any self-belief and any self get up and go you're fighting yeah. for a friend you're fighting for family kids all these things as sad as it sounds can come and go mm -hmm. you're not really in control of any of that 100%. So, but you are in control of what's in here and what's yeah. in there yeah and every day pretty much every day I have that similar thought and I'll, I don't need anyone else to motivate me I don't need anyone to give me these motivational speeches. Yeah. I don't need anyone to try and get in my head and things like that. I'm so self-motivated. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I'll go and do things that people don't know I'm doing. Um, I'm obsessed with success and I hide it so much. Um, Why do you hide it? Because I don't, no one else needs to know. No, I don't care if they know. I am that. So, like them knowing that I'm obsessed doesn't change anything. Do you think what you've said there in terms of how you're obsessed about succeeding and trying to be the best you can be in a really strong world, is that something that the people close to you know about? Or is that even that it's something you keep? The, the people really close to me, my circle is pretty small. The people close to me is, there's not a lot of them. Um, but the ones that are really close will know that. Yeah. They'll, you don't, you shouldn't have to tell people this. They'll see it. They'll notice things. Uh, they'll pick up on small things that you're doing that other people are not doing. If there's a reason, like I've had no hands to work with, for example, this is not a big example. This is just one that I'd expect anyone dedicated to boxing would do. I've had no hands to work with really for about four years. I've not had, like I've been training and fighting with no hands, but since my surgeries, it's been about nine or 10 weeks and um, I'm still in the boxing gym. But there's people that will have an injury on one side and they'll not turn up. It's the difference like that, that that's a small one because every dedicated fighter should be doing that. You should be still in the gym, still be training. When all day today, 
all I've done is study fights, my fights, myself, and trained. That's all I I've done. Saw, you saw you put something up on your Insta, I think, when you, yeah. you were watching fights and you were watching yeah. your own fight. And you, ma- you mentioned that on your on your story, yeah. I think it was today, wasn't it? When yeah. you said, like, you're learning from yourself as well as Yeah, because other, other people, people, my potential opponents will be watching me. Yeah. And um, they'll be trying to work out where my flaws are and strengths are. I'm doing the same. I'm watching myself as if I'm my opponent so I can work myself out and work myself out where I can get better in these areas and not let them be able to work me out. How much of boxing and being successful in boxing is physical versus mental? Physical, maybe 10%, I'd say, if that. See, that's something that even just spending the time that we've spent so far here has completely changed in my mind. I mean, I'm not, you know, I won't go out and box because that's not not me as such. I'm not a boxer. You are, but just looking at boxing and seeing fights for a long time. Like you said, you used to watch Lennox Lewis and Tyson yeah. and stuff like that. So did I. Um, I'd like to know, you know, it's, you look at it and you think, well, they've got to be in peak condition. They've got, obviously there's mental sides to everything and, yeah. and the mind controls the body in terms of what's possible. It's always more possible. Yeah. But even stuff that you just said there around the theory of, of boxing. Yeah, yeah. Like stuff theory that non-boxers don't get. Yeah. Like what you've said there about fainting shots, popping shots out from places, you know, yeah. hiding it. And angles and different things, you know. Yeah, re- hand positions. It comes down to like the smallest thing of eyes and where your but eyes. What you are see looking. on the telly is there's these two guys Peace slugging function. it out. Yeah, that's what you see. Yeah, and that's what everyone thinks. To an untrained eye. Yeah. yeah, everyone just thinks you, that it's like people think that boxing you're just getting in there and punching and getting punched, and I see it totally the opposite to that. Firstly, it's punch and not get punched. Yeah. But secondly, there's so much levels to, there's so many layers to boxing that the the details in it are ridiculous. Coming down to footwear, coming down to, like I said, where your eyes are looking, coming down to the position of your shoulders to by millimeters as well, like very small. Fighting, boxing, all sports, is a game of like inches and millimeters. Yeah. And uh each millimeter makes a big difference. Like each split second, like one percent is such a massive difference in sport. If you think like Usain Bolt, if he ran one percent slower, I'd imagine he doesn't even come second. He probably yeah. comes last. Yeah, same 1%. in like F one, even like motorsport. Yeah. Like there's so much yeah. there's fractions and fractions of a second. Yes. Yeah. It's all about fractions. But then when you when you said there about the amount of amateur fights that you've had and stuff, and you're probably, what, 100 flights plus now if you took yeah. all of those in, like that's needed to get to a state, to get to any form of standard if, if you're yeah. going into the level of detail that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You've just got to, like, you've, you need a certain mentality to go with that. So, like, the physical experiences, the strength conditioning, the 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 all that side of thing, the physical stuff is one part, but the mental part, is massive. How does the, your training work then? So obviously you, you, you do your theory and you're trying to work the fighter out or or maybe you focus on just on yourself yeah. or your game plan and stuff but I'm like, I, I work out three, four times a week. Yeah. I'm nothing special but I put on a stone in the last year yeah. and I feel good for it. It's a good stone for me yeah. but I also like eating. And that like, was I'll, goal, go, but... I'll go and smash a cheesecake yeah. in one night. I'll go and have a bowl of cereal at 11 at night and then follow it with another because yeah. I enjoy it and I want to eat and I'm not an athlete and I'm not yeah. exactly on the front of men's health so it's alright yeah. and it makes me feel good so I'm not bothered but I'd be what, what from a training perspective like a physical training how intense is it leading up to a fight like what are you doing like what's a day 
Training, what's it look like? Training is actually very intense. <laughs> it's actually a lot, very physical, as um, contradicting as that sounds. Um, so a typical day where, say, mid-camp, typical day would be... I don't, I'm not one of these fighters that gets up at four, four o'clock in the morning and, uh, like goes to bed at eight or whatever they do. I kind of push it further. So I'll get up at seven, eight latest. And, uh, then I'll start doing things, but this is where people don't see and people don't understand. Then I'll start studying. That's where the mental training starts coming in straight away when I'm in the morning. I'm up, coffee, boxing's on, and I'm watching it with no distractions. This this is not physical training for me. Um, so you, when you say about you going out to your camps, are you where are you going? Nowhere. I'll I'll stay here for camp. Okay. So I train with my dad, um, but it's called camp because you like got ten week yeah. training camp. Uh, so yeah, that's what I, that's what I'll do first thing in the morning for however long until so i don't get a set time i don't even have an alarm i'll get up so whenever i get up and it'll be about between seven and eight maybe earlier um not really later because it's too bright but so that sort of time anyway and i'll do my studying and i'll go and do my first physical session about nine ten and that's usually um interval based running which can be hard when no, it can be easy when you're and when you're not near a fight. So when you're like at the beginning of camp or not 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 in camp, it's just like longer intervals where you might do like eight minute, ten minute intervals, four times kind of thing. You're just building that aerobic base um, at a slow slow speed as well. As you're coming closer to a fight, it starts getting more intense. The shorter rounds, more intense, and this along with everything else you're doing becomes really draining. And you have to really get the recovery on point because if you're doing all these two or three sessions a day and your recovery is not on point, your sleep's not on point, what's the point in doing the session in the first place? You're not going to improve. Uh, and saying that, my dogs have just had puppies and I've noticed you a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've noticed a big difference in the way I perform, hit speeds and feel just in the last like week of not sleeping because I've got these puppies. Um, it's massive. I don't even, I'm, I'm just, it's just ridiculous. Like athletes that don't sleep well and take their recovery. What do you do to recover? Uh, you've got lots of things. So I'll go down to this place in Chelsea. Um, it's called Human. And uh, you've got hyperbaric chambers, uh, cryotherapy, red light therapy, IV drips, which pump nutrients into your body. Um and like special nutrients that they use and it's all it's all legal in sport as well like it's um the guy that owns it he works for the wbc so it's all legal in sports really really good so so How often do you get out there maybe once a week yeah it? um if say if i felt like i needed it i'd go again um but it's ridiculous like the the, the level of stuff that's down there i didn't even know that this sort of thing exists Hyperbaric chambers just pumping in hundred percent oxygen into our bodies, and like you'd think that going outside you're at hundred percent oxygen, but you're only at twenty one. So you pump that sort of oxygen around your body, it repairs your cells so much quicker. If you think about it like that, it's probably five times quicker because it's five times the amount of oxygen, or five times the quality of oxygen. 
So you're, you're repairing and recovering that much quicker. It's good for so much things, not even just sports recovery, but other things, like it's repairing your cells. Um, and like things like red light therapy, a lot of people use that already in different things. Uh, I think beauticians use red light therapy. Um, you've got cryotherapy, which is what it is. It's like you're standing in an ice, like a cold chamber. Yeah. Minus 110 to minus 140. Um, How long are you in there for? Two to three minutes. Um, not long at all, but... It's hard to stay in there, though. Yeah, I did it too, too cold the other day. Um, I did it at minus 140. And um, it was for three minutes... And after a minute and a half, I was like, I was thinking, can you get me out? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass out. Yeah. I couldn't breathe. My nipples were hurting. My fingers went numb. I was in such a bad way. I was like, <laughs> I put the wrong setting on. Get me out. Yeah, get me out. Man. I put it too cold. Um, but yeah, 110, minus 110 is good anyway. Um, you get out and you have all these endorphins fly around your body. You feel like you're on like, you feel like you're high. It's mad. It's a mad feeling when you get out. But that's when it's working. How long does it last for? Like, like feeling better uh, just until well, your next session or is it the feeling that that initial feeling is it's like quite just like it helps you sleep yeah. and then then you're fine like the next day but that feeling of like you feel like excited happy like you're just ready to go like straight away after you get out it's it's a mad feeling so if you've had really intense training for like a few days and you go and have one of these sessions and you what you come back home and you wake up in the morning yeah does that like disappear all your aches stuff like that yeah yeah yeah, obviously you've got like um, DOMS, like you've got, you've got muscle soreness because you've got like that lax acid stuck in there and you've got to do other things to help that flush out too, like foam rolling and uh, using, um, what are they called? Theraguns. Oh, yeah. The- yeah, um, they actually use use that down there as well with me. Um, so I, I don't usually, when I'm in camp, I don't usually feel like that bad. Yeah. Even though training is so hard, so intense, so after my brilliant, I'll go home and I'm, I'm already starting my recovery for that day. Um, cause, because if you don't, you've got to go again anyway. You've got to go again later. So you start in your recovery, which could be as simple as just staying on the sofa for a few hours. Just stay there. Don't do anything. Don't go, don't go play football with your mates. Don't go out. Don't, you've just got to be dedicated and disciplined enough to just do what you got to do. Just stay there. Let your body recover a minute. Eat the right things, supplement the right things, the right vitamins, nutrients, um, macros. You've, that's another thing, like getting your nutrition on point. If I didn't have the help of nutritionists, meal preps, things like that, it would be so difficult. Where do you find these people? Like you, Naturally, as you get better, you kind of advise to go speak to these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, you get that. But is that the kind of support you get from being part of like Matchroom, for example? Do they um, help out with that sort of linking in or is it? Well, mine came through the gym, my dad's gym. Okay. We got good connections. Um, so that's where most of my contacts came from. That meal prep you put on Insta looks pretty good. Yeah, they're very good. They're very good. good. They're so helpful as well because they count out your macros and stuff like that. And that's so important for recovery, for making my weight. Like getting down to the 6% body fat, that's hard. Yeah, It's performance-based, helps you perform because you obviously you've got a lot less weight to carry around. Yeah. And... Like if you put a five kilo vest on and you go running, it's going to be a lot harder than it is if you don't put that vest yeah. on. And if you think that, and I've got to lose, what, maybe 10 kilos. So that's a big difference. A big difference. I suppose in, you've got to do that over gradual 
yeah, really, yeah, haven't Because yeah. you go and drop that off, then you're going to be weaker. Yeah, it'll be muscle. Be used to it, yeah. If you do it too quick, any weight loss that's too quick is usually muscle or water anyway. So you want to initially. I start from quite far out. I'm I'm not usually fourteen percent. I've just had a lot of time um, since my last fight was October, and I know I'm not fighting again until maybe September October. Yeah, it just crept up on me. I've still been training twice a day, but it just creeps up on you a bit with the with that side of things, and it is what it is. But I know it's there, and I know it's got to go, and I know how it'll go, and we've got time. So I've worked on other areas anyway. I'll put this weight on, and I've got strong. I've yeah. got yeah. I'm lifting big weights. I'm. Uh, I know I can hit hard. Yeah. And I know the last few months I'm hitting a lot harder, even though I can't hit. But you can just feel it in the way that you move, the way things come across, and even though it's just shadow boxing base, you can just feel that dig. You know it's there. Though. Yeah, you know it's there. So like, it sounds like with the theory with the training and stuff's really really intense like what when you're having to go to and from london maybe once twice a week you're doing your training you having time where you're just shutting everybody out yeah just about you about focusing learning studying the craft and stuff yeah what would you say is your like when it comes maybe not just in just boxing in general but not maybe not just in the camps but just overall you've obviously got family we mentioned about your partner before before we come on your other things going on. Yeah. Are you is there a massive sacrifice to get to keep at a level? What would you say is kind of like the biggest sacrifice that you make? I don't see anything with? as a sacrifice. No, I genuinely don't. Um, I always hear fighters and athletes talking about, oh, "I've sacrificed this and I've sacrificed this." I don't see it as that because either you want it to the point where these things are not sacrifices yeah. or you'll you'll kind of you you kind of want it but you don't you kind of want it but i've got to give up this if i want that in a simple way do you just think that's the life that's your life yeah because when, when i get asked a lot oh you work a lot you work a lot of hours you how do you juggle this the, the stuff that you do i'm like well what's your work-life balance is the common question that i get asked like three four times a week same answer i don't have one yeah. Because it's not, I don't work. Yeah. When I go to work, I'm working with people I like. Yeah, I'm working yeah, with yeah. people that are in my family. Yeah. I'm working with friends. I'm working with people that, you know, I love. Yeah. They're great people. They're working hard. We're working. I'm working towards a common goal. Yeah. I want to be successful. I go home. I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm not doing a different environment. I'm just doing it with slightly different people. I'm, yeah. that, that's just life. Like, if I put my laptop on at home, which I try to do, but I've tried not to do most nights, you know, I've got a bit bad of it in the last few, few weeks. It's been really busy. But if I flip a laptop on... And work, that's what I need to do. If yeah. I decide I have a week where I don't do that, that's what I need to do. If I leave work a couple of hours early because I need to go and do something personally, that's, you know, if I've got the flexibility to do it, that's what I'll do. I'll just look at life's life yeah. full of choices and yeah. you prioritise accordingly and you put yeah. things up the pe pecking order depending on what's intense at the time. Exactly. So I don't really sacrifice anything. Yeah. People will say, well, you, no, I don't. It's just life. That's, that's yeah. my choices. Like, it's, Sounds quite similar with you with that sort of stuff where it's like, this is just what I'm doing. This is yeah. just me. 100%. Yeah. I, I don't see why I'd call it anything else. I don't see why I'd call it sacrificing. I don't know what what to put in that category any, either. If somebody said, oh, you'd, what would you call it? No. Like, if you had to call it sacrificing, what would it be? I don't know what yeah. I'd put in that category because I just do what I've got to do. And I'm I enjoy doing that. I love doing that. I really do. I miss being in camp so much at the minute. I miss fighting. I miss doing everything in 
the right order because at the minute it's just like going along I train twice a day yeah. I do this I do this but it's not the same and I really miss that the people around you get that does it ever cause issues no you're kind of because you've got like you've got quite a free like from spending this time with you you've got quite a free spirit yeah. attitude to things you know you, and it's about you and it's about you not in an arrogant way at all I've not got that impression yeah. at all but people that are self when they're self reflecting and when they're self thinking about their self and pushing themselves forward yeah. people that don't really understand and don't get it and don't listen to the whole conversation could think well he's, it's all about himself what about his friends what about his family what about his partner what about his this and that I know that's not there with you but does that ever that way of thinking ever cause issues with family with your relationship like when you've had when you have these intense periods where you are putting yourself first and you are head down you are focused on training nutrition learning theory especially yeah. in camps does that ever have issues elsewhere it definitely doesn't have issues at home like with um my girlfriend we live together definitely doesn't have issues there um she understands um and how, how does that happen so, so for me um, in previous life with previous people that I've been with when I have intense periods or I work a lot yeah. I struggle to understand yeah. and that and that in the past has come across as your priorities are in the wrong place Yeah, and that's what everybody in my life I would say 90% of people that when I was 25 to 27 would say Aaron your priorities are in the wrong place mate you're working too much you're putting this first why aren't you worrying about your kids why aren't you worrying about your partner yeah. these other people that want your time it's like well I'm trying to graph for all of that yeah. but you don't understand that um, they're going to so, benefit from that too Mm. they'll benefit from that work work yeah. effort that you've got anyway so but not a lot of people way, see it that way sometimes yeah. do they uh, yeah they don't they don't see it that way so how does your partner see it that way I don't know again you just got is, a lucky one <laughs> maybe I think potentially at first it might not have been that easy but and like when we met I wasn't in a position like I weren't signed to uh, Matchroom and I was this is what we met when I was at the points where I was really struggling financially and with whatever else and um but she seemed to stick by and uh she definitely understands now like never questions anything if i've got a if i've got to like do my counting my macros on my food that i'm cooking it's fine she knows that that's, that's gonna take this two hours or whatever and i've got to do my my cooking for the week or something she knows that's fine um if I'm training, that's fine. If I've got to go sparring somewhere and it's going to take all day, that's fine. At first, maybe not. Maybe it weren't that easy. Because What's changed? Like, how's that changed? Obviously, I used to tell her what my goals are and my dreams and what I'm going to do. But when it's not happening, it's hard for people to believe you. It's hard for like... Especially she's seeing you like, and, and you two have got together when you're not yeah. doing so well. Yeah. Yeah. When you're saying, you kind of speaking here, wanting this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, she probably didn't believe me. She used to say that she believed me, but maybe she didn't. Um, and I don't know, like, she probably thought, why don't you go and get a job as well? Yeah. But is that conversation ever had? We had? Nah. I don't think we've ever had that conversation, to be fair. But I'm she probably has been thinking it because yeah. you would, wouldn't you? You'd be like, why is he just doing this? Like, why can't he go and get some money, some stuff so we can do stuff, and um, things like that? But she's been good; she really has. And she's it's come to it's the points like where I'm training so much and I'm 
struggling to keep up on other things like the nutrition and she'll take over she will count out everything she'll get it on the scales so to count all the macros you like got little weighing scales and make sure you've got like 125 grams of this and this i'll come home there's dinner all weighed out and everything already and she's wrote down what's weighed out this way this way this way so i've, I've probably got lucky would be you fair. be would you be in the boxing ring would you be where you are or where you are right now without if you were with her I don't know because like I said I'm very self-motivated but things got hard to keep up with and I have needed help yeah um so it's been very helpful to very handy to have that help I think what what you've said there is is you've got a partnership now where you've got somebody fighting yeah. for something that's mutual. You don't need yeah. her to get motivated, yeah. but she's there to help. Yeah. And you can't do everything on your own because you're not 100%, yeah. 100% of the time because nobody is. You think we are, but yeah. we're not, especially blokes. Yeah. We are, we're, we're good, yeah, sound, but we're not yeah. some of the time. Like it's down, There'll be days you'll wake up at eight and you'll think, fuck this. And, you're, and <laughs> you know, you won't want to get up, for example, and that'll be the day where she says, listen, you need to get up now. Yeah, she notices as well, before I notice as well. Yeah, It's weird. It's like, if you if I'm having a bad day, she will tell me before I even notice that I'm having a bad yeah. day. And like you know, when someone tells you that you're having a bad day, you're yeah. like, "I'm a fuck." And you you like winds you up at the time. Five minutes later, I'm like, "Nah, she's right. She's right. I'm having a bad day."